Welcome to WHCC Pro, presented by White House Custom Color, your photography and press printing partner. I am honored to be sitting across the table from Kira Derberry. Hello. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, you are in town for TCPPA. I am. And we were lucky enough to have you come to White House today, and we did a YouTube Live. That was a little fun. A little bit earlier. Yeah, I think it went really well. I think it's really a good thing to be able to dig a little bit deeper and to be a little bit more um, close and personal on mm -hmm. these and, and keeping in mind photography and all the things that we're talking about, but going a little bit deeper. Sure. And, you know, the, the, the topic that we discussed, I think is, I'm going to stop saying I think is, I know <laughs> is relatable to everybody out there. And I think that if you don't realize that you're in that boat with everybody else, you maybe are um, in somewhat of a denial. Yeah. So explain what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> I'm going to let you do it in your words instead of me taking over. Um, so uh, I, I thought what might be helpful to talk about today is just something that I know I've experienced. I know other people experience it, but when you're, when you're getting into this industry and you're hungry for work and you're hungry, you're like, okay, I've just got to, I can't, I got to work on the weekends because that's when the clients are available. I've got a, uh, a this client wants me to do uh, a shoot with balloons and glitter and, and that's, you know, that's, that's what they're asking me for. So that's what I'm going to give them. That's their need. So I'm going to provide that. But the next person doesn't want that at all. They want me out outdoors. So we're just going to go and shoot outdoors that day. And then I have a newborn session the next day. And so it just keeps adding on because you're, you, you start in this place sometimes where you're afraid to say no to stuff because how could you be so picky during a time when you're trying to get your foot in the door, you're trying to get right. your name out there. You're, um, and then you get to a place where you've, you've diversified yourself so much that you don't, you're, you're not finding yourself in the work anymore and you're not finding joy in the work. Right. And, and, and chances are you're probably not doing a great job of any of it. No. Cause you're not really focusing on any one thing. You mm -hmm. know, I, a long time ago, um, and I, I, you know, I'm like a lot of people, I was watching a lot of online content uh, to learn how to do different styles. I remember watching hours and hours of Creative Live and YouTube, uh, PPA education videos, and I would follow um, all of these great photographers and I would learn how they would light or how they would pose. And then I would emulate because that's the only way you really have, can learn. Right. Um, yep. And and so I would go and I would I would. Uh, watch and then do watch and then do. And then I'd built this portfolio of doing all these things that I was just interested in. And then I had this other photographer look at it one day and I said, you know, what do you think? Which is a terrible question. Cause you don't, it like, it makes me want to ball up inside, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but just climb right under this table. But that photographer said to me, all of this is done really well. I mean, for, for what it is, but I don't see you in any of this, I, right. I, this looks like it was shot by 10 different people. I, I can't put this out on the table and look at and scatter the cards around and say, oh, this was done by Kira Derryberry. This was done by somebody who kind of does work that looks like this person and kind of does work that looks like this person, but isn't quite that yep. and so on. And, and that hurt me a lot because <laughs> like, yeah. I was trying so hard to be everything to everyone right. and to be really good. And. Just to, to go way back in time when I was learning, mm -hmm. um, I can remember going through magazines and cutting things yeah. out and, and, you know, looking at um, high school senior photography competitions and, mm -hmm. and like f photographing stuff and, and keeping that literally on my tripod. 
and I would go through like my little my Your little, little Rolodex, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. of of posing ideas because you know you when you're new, you freeze up. Yeah, and you're you, just you, you blank. think too deep into it, and something doesn't go right, and a pose doesn't go right, and then it's like, oh shit, no, no, yeah. what, <laughs> you know? And every photographer, like you said, you know, and every model or every subject does things different. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take somebody else's pose work and make it your own. No, it doesn't work. It's really difficult. It's but but you as the photographer, you're looking at it and you're like, this is what I like about it. Let me see if I can make this. And then you, you lose your identity in that yeah. a little bit, you yeah. know, but it's totally. a great, it is a great way to learn new techniques. It is a great way to kind of like solve a pro, add a new tool to your tool bag, you know, so to speak. But then, then where do you go with it? Then what do you do with it? Cause you kind of end up with like this jumbled ball of things you can do, but none of it that you really do well, like right. you said. Yeah, you know? for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I bet you if we uh, took a poll of everybody that's listening now, what what would you suppose would be the main uh, cause of anxiety in photography? Mm. <laughs> what type of session? <laughs> for, well, for me or for, <laughs> for everybody else? <laughs> for me, it's weddings. <laughs> for you, it's weddings. Yeah, I just, I, I've done four of those in my entire career. Yeah. And they were not great. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, in fact, I, the, the first things I did when I was out of, um, uh, college, I, I shot a couple of weddings and, uh, they went so badly cause I had no <laughs> business doing it. I never even, you know, I barely been to any weddings, let's be honest at that point yeah. in my life. <laughs> and so, um, I shot a couple of small weddings for friends and they didn't go great. And then I thought, well, there's four years of college. I guess I won't be a photographer now, you know, and, and I mean, that's the, that is the truth. They, they were so, they gave me, they weren't that they were so terrible. I have no idea what they, the images even look like, but it was the, I wasn't good at it, yeah. you know? And I didn't, I remember, um, I set up the, uh, cause I, I wasn't shooting with, with any lights. So I set up the bridal party outside in the garden of this church and the mother of the bride came barreling through and was like, what are you doing out here? And I was like, well, I'm just getting set up to to have the bridal party. And, you know, and uh, she goes, everyone knows that you do that inside the church. And I thought, you have to do it on the altar. Everyone knows that? (laughs) Yes, yes, of course everyone knows that. And then I go in there and it's, there's no windows in this church. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, so what am I supposed to do? I was so ill-equipped. To, yeah. to handle a situation like that. And so I thought, well, I never want to go through that anxiety or that experience again. I'm going to have to never be a photographer for money. And so then I, so I didn't pursue it for a few years, literally because of that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a terrifying moment right there. It's horrible. I was like, I was like 21 or, so, you know, 20. Yeah. Uh, it was awful. I can remember back in the day, you know, my first few weddings, boy, they were rough, you know, and yeah. I was working for somebody at the time. And I can remember whenever he asked me to go out for lunch, it wasn't good. Yeah. You know, and then it was back in the film days, you know, yep. here's the proofs. Mm-hmm. I can remember pointing him pointing at one of the images, some grouping that I did. And he's like, if you ever do this again, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> at least you had a guidance. <laughs> yeah. I had nothing. I had no person to look up to or ask for help or anything. I like, I just, was flying by the seat of my pants and the mother the mother of that bride she was when I, I brought her so basically I charged for two rolls of film I charged her for two rolls of film that's it that's and all that, I and that's what you charge for the wedding two rolls of film <laughs> oh boy and I shot two rolls of film oh and then my I printed goodness. two rolls of film and not all, all of the two rolls of film turned out obviously oh my gosh. <laughs> and so I um I put them in an album that I bought from 
like a Steinmart or something, you know what I mean? And, uh, and then I brought them over to her house and I gave them to her and, um, she was very kind because I, it was just so clear. I was out of my, when I look back on this, I was like it, in, a, in a full sweat, you know, and this was my, this was my friend that I'd grown up with's mother. So she also at least knew me. Right. And, um, so I'm handing her the like shaky handing the album <laughs> and, um, she looks through it and she goes, well, you didn't really get the food tables very well, but you did a good job. And she wrote me a check for $200 and handed it to me and I just ran away. But, <laughs> but it, that was, that was a kindness, honestly, because, uh, you know, but in that instance, you really did get what you pay for. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. You know, it, and look at where you're at now. I know. I mean, for anybody that's listening along, to to have heard that right now, and that's a story I've never heard before, you know, of it's okay to start somewhere. Just start. You have to start somewhere. Yeah. You know, um, a good friend of ours, a photographer, she said something the other day that really has resonated with me, and I think that it'll resonate with people listening, is learn it and then perfect it later. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have to go through all these, what do you want to call them? The school of hard knocks mm-hmm. and learn how to do these things. You know, we're sitting in the the video video room at White House right now and you've got your gorgeous images up on the wall and, you know, looking at those and then thinking about that story that you just told, you know, that's the same person. And that, that's so crazy to think about. Yeah. It really is. It, it's it's really incredible. And and it's not like a whole lifetime. That, that was what ten years ago, twelve sure. years ago. Ten years? No, no, that was longer than that. I'm forty-one now. <laughs> I would have never guessed it. A long time ago. But I mean, that's that is um, relatively short in the, you know the human experience yeah. of learning and perfecting your craft mm-hmm. and getting to where you're at. You know, um, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. And don't, you know, I, I, if I could share one more story from of days of your, um, of baby Kira and her dream of being a photographer. (laughs) Um, but I had also gone, uh, I, so when I was, when I was, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama. And when I graduated high school, I didn't move off to college right away. I worked in tech support, uh, uh, full time. So I was a dial up tech support customer service technician, right? So I was the person you would call when your little screech, screech noises didn't (laughs) connect. And so I, which was actually great experience for me in customer service for my own business. Right. right? But, um, but I did that, um, during the, during the nights. And then during the day I was going part-time to this community college, um, locally. And I was, I was just taking like two, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, I wanted to be a photographer, but I didn't have any idea how to do it. I had applied, I'd gotten into like an art college that I couldn't afford. And it just seemed everyone was advising me not to take out these massive student loans to do it. So I was just like, I'm just going to take a year and kind of figure out what I want to do. So I go part-time to this community college and I take a commercial photography class. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, and I have to drive to the next city over to this class twice a week. And um, I go and we do all these projects and he has us, the professor has us write all these, our ideas for things that we might want to learn, you know? And so I'm coming up with very elaborate ideas that are very inspired by things that I've seen in magazines, um, like Rolling Stone and Vanity Fair and things like that. That's, that's, teach me how to do this right now, like, yep. you know? Yeah. And, um, let's just jump ahead of it. Uh huh. And, and, and we're, of course, we're shooting film, we're shooting color film, 35 millimeter. And, um, and he's kind of setting up most of the stuff, the lighting and stuff like that, and then showing and you know letting us shoot, but kind yeah. of letting us adjust. Um, so 
I, I had ended up with this uh, commercial portfolio of product work is what we ended up doing. So like a, a Jim Beam bottle, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, sparkling grape juice, you know, using glycerin to sort of make the it look like it was perspiring, you know, yeah. water from the cold, things like that. So I have this portfolio. And we're going through the portfolio at the end of the semester. And I'm just so excited. I, I love a critique. I mean, yeah. you know, and so I'm so excited to find out because obviously I expect him to be like, you're amazing. You're better than me. Um, <laughs> why don't you take this had. job? What am I, you know, and so, and he goes through it and he, he says nice things about it. But at the end he goes, you really like this, right? And I said, oh yes, that's all I've ever wanted to do, you know? And he says, um, well, I'm, let me give you some advice. Don't do it for a living. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> I'm in a real transitional place in my life at right. this moment. Because I, I don't know how to achieve. I've set out to do this, to be a professional photographer. I don't even know what that means yet. But that's yeah. just what my life goal is. But I don't know how to do it. So I take some a minute to do it. And I'm this is the only resource I have to launch my career, right? Yeah. And he's telling me, don't do it if you like it so much. And he said, because hmm. this, this industry is hard, uh, you know, you're not going to get to shoot anything you want to shoot. You're not going to make any money doing it. It's not a way to live, you know, and obviously these, he had, he's had some, he was down on his luck, you know, right. um, which was unfortunate, but he was really jaded about the industry and really jaded about the idea that anyone should get into the industry. And it really affected me. Like it, I really let it affect right. my goal. Well, how, how could you not be affected by that. Right. It terrified me. Yeah. It terrified me. It was like, yeah, you've picked the wrong thing, you know, turn back. Mm. Um, and so I did turn back. I, I just, uh, you know, I was like, well, I guess I'll just keep doing this job. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go into retail management. Cause that's like something else that I can do. And, or maybe I'll go to college and study something else. And it set me back like years. Can you imagine like yeah. how wow. I could have, I could have tackled this sooner in my life. I, it was, I wasn't until I was 28 that I got into the industry even semi-professionally, Wow! you know? So 10 years, 10 years, uh, because some guy who may have personally been having an issue that really had nothing to do with me. Right. Wow. Um, told me, and I listened <laughs> to <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's just our natural response. You know, you have somebody who's in a, you know, position of power instructor, yeah. you know, that, that tells you that <laughs> what Yeah, come again. Yeah. And, I mean, but then, you know, on the other side of the coin there, you could also say, well, it wasn't the right time because look at, look at, I, I can't, I'd be remiss to not acknowledge the success that I've had in the career that I've had in, in a relatively short amount of time as a professional in this industry and serving on the board of directors of PPA. There have been opportunities that have come from that maybe if come from, the stuff I have been involved in that maybe I wouldn't have ever even gotten to right. had I started earlier, yeah. you know, I, yeah. you know, so there, there might be a rhyme or a reason or fate or whatever you want to call it. But I think, I think back and uh, to that advice that he gave me and, and as a, as a mentor to people now um, who come to me and ask me how, what they should do, I am so careful right. about the advice I give that's like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's a pr pretty big make or break kind definitely. of thing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> definitely. You know, and, and along those lines, too, I I couldn't help but my, my brain kept kind of going to this one thing as you were talking. And, you know, you were you were young and you're like, I want to be a professional photographer, but mm -hmm. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, does that mean that you 
you know, can charge, you know, two rolls of film to shoot a wedding? Does it mean that you have a studio space? Does it mean that you are freelance? So like, what, what does that mean? You know, and that, that huge thought process, you know, of mm-hmm. the, there's no limit to what I can do. Right. But a really good point that you brought up a few minutes ago before we, we started recording is, um, you know, the, the mental health side mm-hmm. of our careers and our work-life balance, which now there's a great focus on that. But back in the day, there wasn't. There was definitely not. It was just go ahead and work yourself to death. Work yourself to death. And if you show any emotion, and this is coming from a, f- a female perspective, because mm-hmm. I, I also worked with a lot of, in a male-dominated industry in tech, right? Like in, yeah. in um, as a web designer and as support technician, it was all guys. It was usually me. And that, that's not the case anymore, you know, but mm-hmm. at the time it was. And it it was a struggle, not if something affected me to not be emotional about it. And I felt a pressure, an added pressure to not ever let them think that something was getting to me right. or to break down and cry or to get angry. Cause I'm, I'm a, um, uh, when I get angry, I tear up like that. Like if I'm really angry, I'll, I'll cry. And that's, that's a, that's a human condition that I can't control. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, but so there were things like that, that I would always have to monitor and do this extra thing to measure because it felt like it took me out of the game during those times. If yeah. I looked for a second like I didn't know what I was doing or that I couldn't handle it the way that guys could. Yeah. You know, it's just crazy to think back that that is really what was pushed on society and upon us Mm -hmm. and upon everybody is, you know, the, 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 the balance part of it was, was non-existent. Mm -hmm. You know, I can remember being in, in platform programs and there was no mention of rest relaxation. It was just, you know, bigger money and more sessions and work harder and, and, you know, all the things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, just from a personal perspective, I grew up in a, in a family that we just worked. Yeah. You know, my, my, my grandpa and grandmother, you know, they had a huge yard and he would just mow and she would rake. And that was, that was like their relax. They they didn't really relax, No, which went to my mom (laughs) who didn't really relax. That went to me that doesn't really relax. And, you know, and now I'm in a relationship where, uh, Kelly loves to, you know, like go sit by the ocean and read a book. And, mm-hmm. you know, I tried that for like three minutes this it's last very hard winter for me too. and I can't, I can't do it, you know, and, yeah. and I don't know how to relax because I wasn't, it's almost like it wasn't allowed. My, my brain will search for something I should be doing mm-hmm. if I ha- even have a, a small break from, yeah. from work. I was, you know, um, I was trying to get ready to leave for this trip and I was lying and I woke up at four 30 in the morning, um, when I did not have to, cause I, my flight wasn't until the afternoon, but I woke up at four 30 in the morning and I, I, I was there and I was like, well, I'm awake. I could probably just get my laptop and go in the dining room and go ahead and get, just go ahead and bang out those, those headshots that I did the other day and go ahead and get those exported. And you know what I mean? Like, what would that, that would just take something off my plate for later. Right. And, you know, but here it is four 30 in the morning. I need to sleep. I need to <laughs> right. try to go back to sleep or I need to at least play on my phone and not, and zone out or something. Instead, I'm just like going, my brain is like, Hey, you're awake. Remember a hundred things you need to do yeah, before exactly. you leave on your trip. Let's just start at number one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a really hard time, uh, turning, having downtime, turning my brain off. I've gotten better at it. I, I have been, uh, you know, if we're, if we're going deep, Yep. Uh, I have been seeing a therapist now for four years mm-hmm. 
And um, and I started seeing her during a time. It's actually, gosh, it might be longer than that. I was, you know, my daughter. I have a daughter on the spectrum, and I was struggling with a lot when we got that diagnosis. My both me and my husband were in different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I feel like I was. I was just not handling it very well. And I was like, I, it just seems like I need to talk to somebody about it. So I found somebody um, that I can see online, which is great. Yep. And uh, which I highly recommend if anyone's like worried about having to go to a uh, online is a way to go. Um, but I started seeing her and she helped me sort of realize that I was going through some stages of grief with what I thought that um, the childhood that I was going to provide for my child was supposed to look like mm-hmm. and what raising a child would be, you know, you kind of get it in your head, like what that's, what that's supposed to be. Oh, they'll go to prom or they'll, I'll teach them how to drive or I'll, you know, we'll go to an A on a roll thing or we'll go on field trips and whatever. And we do, we do do those things, you know, but, um, the out, the expectation was very different once we got that diagnosis. And I was in this like stage of sort of rejecting the premise at the same time of clinging to, well, no, like she, like she can play. So I played softball. I, she could sign, I could sign her up for softball, but in reality, I really couldn't like her motor skills are so delayed that that, that probably wasn't going to be something in the cards for her that year, yeah. or even that she wanted to do. Right. So taking time to have somebody to process those things with has been helpful for me because I was speaking to somebody a while back and they were like, well, how long, how long do you think you'll do the therapy for? Like, I mean, at what point do you think you'll figure out what, you know, what the problem is? <laughs> like, <laughs> when will they give you the diagnosis hmm. and then you could move on? Wow. And I was like, no, that's not what this is. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to solve a mystery. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to find out why I do the things I do. I'm, tr- I'm, uh, or, or to even change what, you know what I mean? It, it's more for me, it's more about, how to approach conflict and obstacles that come into my life and how to react differently to them or how right. to see them for what they really are and how to process them. It just helps to be able to talk to somebody about stuff. And that oh. goes, and so now I still see her. We, and we talk about Lucy, but we, we talk about work. We talk about PPA. We talk mm-hmm. about how, you know, that work life balance stuff and, and how I'm, you know, managing it all because it really helps you process. Absolutely. I think everybody should, should be talking to somebody. I honestly think it should be mandatory. I think it should be mandatory. (laughs) And, and, and I, and I honestly, in the last few years, I've tried to talk about to be more open with the fact that I've been seeing a therapist for a long time Mm -hmm. because there is a stigma to like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you're a little crazy. So I can see that. You know what I mean? But that's, that everybody's a little crazy. (laughs) Everybody deals with, you know, every every, single person I was having these panic attacks, you know, sometimes. And, um, and you know, I, I need, I need somebody to help me kind of like when it's coming to identify when it's coming and to approach it differently so that it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, and for sure. Um, anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I had been under the mindset previously that, oh, I don't need to do that. I can just fix myself. I can fix myself because I know what the problem is. Yep. I, I know what the problem is. I can is. do it. Mm-hmm. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, that's actually a recipe for disaster. And I learned that, you know, and going through, I've been, I've been doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I've been therapy for a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's so healthy. It, it is. You know, and it can be for any reason that you want it to be. You any know, reason that you want it to reason. be. And it's so good to have somebody that isn't 
a parent or your significant other or, or a best friend or, or right. Yep. It's very draining on a friendship or a significant other. Yes. When you're is. going through something and you, mm-hmm. they can be there for you, but they can't right. be it. It's bad. It, it can be very bad. I, yeah. I I've, I've had friendships suffer because of it because I, I'm a talk through a problem. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about a problem, the same problem, like a lot. Yeah. And it, there comes a point where it's like, okay, so we've been talking about your problem now for months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not what friendship is. Yeah. You know? But it's great that you realize that too. And that's, that's part of, you know, a healthy approach to it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is understanding like, okay, this is probably going to get to be too much for this person, you know, and it's so important to be able to step back, mm-hmm. like you said, and, and look at your approach. Yeah. On, you know, these things from, you know, anywhere from, you know, personal life to relationship to business to, you know, all the things. And especially now with social media being so influential and, you know, being um, available. How do I want to say this? Available to everybody at all times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially. That can be really harmful. It can Mm -hmm. be very harmful. Mm -hmm. It can be very positive, but it can also be extremely harmful, Mm -hmm. you know, and going into the role that you're going to be starting on March 1st as president of the PPA, Mm -hmm. you know, you're the lights on you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and how do you, how do you approach, you know, the good, the bad, you know, the up, the down, the ugly, the pretty, you know, out of all that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have been times, you know, where I will just abstain from, from, if something is going, you know, from reading on social media, because mm-hmm. the, your impulse is to always like engage immediately or to, so I, I, I sometimes will, frankly, if I see something negative coming, I will pull back because if I, if I go down that rabbit hole, I'll spiral out. And yeah. I just know that about myself, you yeah. know, so I will, I will pull back. I try and look at things from a positive standpoint. And I also try when I get, when I do get upset or if something has affected me, my, my mood, I try and sleep on it before I react to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I try and well, publicly react to it, you know. Um, so I'm not a big, like, poster on social media anymore. I used to be. I mean, I post my work and I post, you know, stuff on stories and stuff like that. But I used to be much more um, on and, and participating in Facebook and, and Twitter and things like that. And I don't do that so much anymore for my own. One of It's one of the things that I do to sort of help my own mental health, right, is yep. to not do it so much. And I used to really um, pour over photographer's work that I really admired. Um, but that kind of made me feel not great about my own work sometimes, mm-hmm. you know what Definitely. I mean? And so I, I, I pull back from that. I, I, I still admire and appreciate work, especially with my colleagues. I have so many extremely more talented than me colleagues. Um, and which is tough because sometimes you're in the room with those people and you're just like, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, um, it's nuts. It's, it's nuts to think about, but then, but, but it's that imposter syndrome kind of creeping in, right. you know, that I, I don't belong in yeah. that spot. But, um, the other thing that I did as far as my business went, as, as things started going really well and I started shooting all these different things is I identify, we talked about this on the, on the live, um, earlier, but I identified some of those pain points for myself because I, I didn't, I, the feeling of dread before a newborn shoot for me should not, I shouldn't be doing it. Right. It, the, the baby feels it. I, I feel it. Everybody feels it. The parents feel it. You know what I mean? Yep. It's, it's like, Definitely. I shouldn't be photographing pets because I'm not entirely comfortable with every animal. Right. I'm, mm-hmm. I love my cats, but I love my cats, you yeah. know? And so like I, pet photography is not something I should be doing. I have no business doing it. I love the people who are so good at it. 
Um, but I started cutting back, cutting, just slowly cutting back those things away. And what was left was the type of portraits that I really wanted to do when I was a kid, you know, which is what this is hanging up on this wall in here, especially yeah. these, these single person portraits, these individual portraits that I do, yeah. those personality character portraits. That's what I always wanted to do. And it, and I, and I feel like when I really allowed myself to focus on the things that brought me the work that brought me joy and that really felt authentic to me rather than just trying to say yes to like every possible job that came in the door and every weekend shoot that came in the door. It was then that I started to find my way and to, and to feel comfortable in my own skin and to have that anxiety melt away. I I don't worry about shoots anymore. It's great. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. I mean, that, that really tells me that that's, exactly what you're supposed to be doing because mm-hmm. if you can just walk in and do it mm-hmm. and and create this type of art you know it, obviously that is where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. you know, yeah it, it feels it right yeah it shouldn't be like the night before a wedding you're crabby and you know like i'm speaking for me personally mm-hmm. you know like because you're starting to get you know ramped up and mm-hmm. nervous and i can remember you know back in the day being like okay it doesn't matter what happens you know at this time, that wedding is happening. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter what happens before it, you know, because mm-hmm. I was, I, I'd let myself get so nervous about that, mm-hmm. you know, and that should have been a sign to me. But at that time, it really wasn't acceptable to be like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do these. Yeah. I, I want to focus on what I'm really good at mm-hmm. and what I can walk into the room like you just described and, say, and not have any anxiety, any stress around it. Just be excited for what you're going to create mm-hmm. because that's when you truly hit your creative stride. Well, that cl- exactly that clarity when you're fussing with lights and you're so worried about, oh, okay, am I going to get this lighting ratio right? Or am I going to, um, maybe I'll try something, a different light today or try a different one. All that stuff is are variables that cloud your ability to, to work with the client and pull the best possible mm-hmm. image. I mean, and I'm speaking strictly about portraiture, but yeah. you know, pull the best poss- possible image of that person because you, they need to connect with you. Right. I mean, there's certain things that I do now. I don't even, my face isn't even behind my camera anymore. Uh, it's, it's, it's mounted. I used to think, oh, I'm never going to use a tripod. I'm never going to use a camera stand. That's so stiff. And that, mm-hmm. no, because I, I, I know now in my, in my old wise age, um, <laughs> but I know now that the only way for me to really connect with the person in front of them is for me to be able to look at them and speak with them and smile with them. Yeah. And if they can't say, I, I, clients tell me a lot, they're like, I'm smiling because you're smiling, you know what I mean? And it's because I, and I can't even help it. I just do it all the time. Like I, they're smiling, I smile. I don't know who's doing it first, but it happens. Yeah. And it becomes an authentic look right. on the on the face of the subject. And But if I'm sitting there fussing with lights or trying to figure out like a set mm-hmm. or a, a prop or a, you know, whatever I, or the technology, if I don't understand my tech, you know, my camera's not working, my tethering yeah. setup, if I fuss with any of that, the most important thing of the shoot is gone out the window. Yep. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, um, I'm grateful that I'm at, I'm at that place, but also it, I had to sacrifice a lot of things that I thought I needed to do, like being really creative and different with my lighting all the time. Yeah. If you really look at the work that I'm doing now, there's not, if you really look, there's a theme of light that goes across all of it. And it's generally the same, Yeah. you know, and why should it be different? Right. Yeah. And you know, you know it represents a body of work. Mm-hmm. It's know? starting to look cohesive. Yeah, you know? exactly. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's great. I mean, the, you look at, you know, some of what I would consider to be the most successful photographers currently, you can look at, 
one image or 10 and you know exactly who Mm -hmm. did it, you know, and that's the dream. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, and that is being on point with your brand. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're, if you have 12 different styles, where's the cohesiveness? Yeah. And what are they, and what is the client now coming to you for? I mean, it's one thing to be a Jack of all trades and we have, I know some Jacks of all trades and they are awesome and you can throw them into any scenario and they're going to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that confidence is something that certain clients come to that photographer for, you know, I don't have to worry about anything because for example, Dan McClanahan knows what he's doing. We can put him in any, any situation. We don't have to worry about it. Right. But that's what his clients know him for. That's what they come to him for. That's a problem that he solves for those clients. Right. And with me, they know that I am, I mean, at least I hope, um, that they know that they're going to come to me and they're going to get a sophisticated higher end portrait of themselves. They're going to be proud of it. They know they're going to look good in it and they know I'm going to take care of them if they have any concerns. That's, that is basically my goal is to put them at ease. That's one of the reasons why I shoot tethered when I shoot. It's, it's because it looks really good in camera because we've, we've, um, we've got this light really, you know, um, tuned in and, um, they look at it and they go, Oh, you can see that relief on their face when they go, okay, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to (laughs) look, you know, and they go, Oh, and, and, or even if they say then like, Oh, well, it looks really good. I just, I wish I'd lost 20 pounds. And I could say, Oh, I got you. Don't worry about that. And we just move on. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about what what we will do to do anything like that. You know, if they have a concern about that, I'll just reassure them. Don't worry about that. You look fantastic. Let's keep going. Right. You know? Yeah. And it, your education and your practice and your, your knowledge of all of your lighting, your camera, all, all that stuff, you can, you've learned it and you can forget it now. You know, you can move on and you can, you can focus on that client Mm -hmm. uh, 100% Mm -hmm. and never have to think about those other things. And that's where you truly need to be to create what you're creating, you know? Yeah. That's, and, and that's what I try and encourage other, other photographers who are in different stages of, of finding their success, you know, um, is that it is important to understand the technical. It, it is. Now, there's varying degrees of that. There's deep dives on the technical that we can do. But like in my class, for example, yesterday, we were teaching on, I was teaching on compo- corporate composites. Yep. The thing to also remember in those, in those scenarios is who the audience is. Right. Okay. So if your audience is always to impress other photographers, Boy, you've got that's that's that's, that's a hard. <clears throat> that's a hard audience. Yep. And that's a tough audience, and um, and and an unforgiving audience. And mm-hmm. frankly, you know, um, but if your audience is the bank, the the local bank up the street who needs a composite of their five main, you know, principal players in their business. Yep. And they need it done quickly, and they need it done easily and efficiently. Then it's not important that this picture, this composite be so impressive to other photographers. Cause it probably right. won't be frankly. Right. Right. But it will be impressive to that client. But the bank would pay the bill on the, the way bank up. would pay the bill. <laughs> and so like I, that was what I was, what I want to press upon people in certain places. There are, there are times and places where perfection and precision are absolutely necessary. Yep. But there were also times where it's a waste of time. And, and, I, and maybe that's the, taboo thing to say, but there are times there are certain audiences, certain clients where that's not what this is, Yep. you know, and, and being able to recognize that that takes for me, that is a, what a weight lifted because I am a perfectionist. I am a precision person. I am a, let's 
like tilt this light just a little bit more to the left and feather it this way. Maybe if I adjust, <laughs> I'm that person, you know, let's yeah. add one more light or let's do that. But I can't be that person for all of my clients, you know, for my corporate clients, that's not, that doesn't get them in and out of the door in 15 minutes. Right. Um, so the, the anxiety is gone because that particular client that I serve comes to me for, for that product, the family or the, or the, portrait person or the branding person that comes to me for the higher end portraiture, they're coming to me for that. And those are the two things I do. Right. I don't do the the boudoir anymore, the newborn f- photography, the pet photography, the it's cake smash. I always come back to the cake smash. <laughs> always the cake smash. I always come back to the cake smash. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, cake cleanup. smash. So much cleanup. I'm just, I'm, so, <laughs> I'm messy isn't as it, it is. Isn't it kind of ironic? I, I, sitting here listening to you and thinking back about how even say 10 years ago, probably, maybe even less. It was almost like a badge of honor that was worn by professional photographers about how much time they spent retouching and Mm -hmm. editing and in Photoshop. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how that has really changed to, I don't want to spend time in front of my screen anymore. No. What's the easiest solution that's going to get me the best possible outcome? Yeah. It's interesting how that pendulum has swung. Because I think people... Well, I mean, th- there's so many automated things coming. We talked about that too, but yep. there's so much automation that's already happened that y- you almost have to embrace it, embrace the change or, or be left behind. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and frankly, I, you know, there, there were, I was, I was speaking to um, someone from TCPPA this week and she was saying that a person she spoke with said to her that why would they turn down that weekend job? It's money. You know what I mean? Because you have to have downtime, right? Because you have to be able to have time alone. Well, I'm, you know, well, I work a full time job during the week, and the weekends are only, you know, and that and that is your choice. But to to be able to get to a place where you say, I shoot these types of portraits two days a week, sign up here to do that if you'd like, or book, you know, with us on the phone. That's when we do them, <laughs> and then we don't yeah. do them on the weekends. Right. Like I don't shoot any headshots on the weekends because it's a commodity volume gig. But I will shoot a family session for a client that wants me to commission a 60 inch piece for their wall in their home, Mm -hmm. you know, because we are, we've planned the outfits we've done, you know, and the weekends are all they're available. I will do that. Yeah. You know, for that particular client, because that requires a different thing. Right. You know? Well, and that's again, you know, an experience of what you're creating, Mm -hmm. you know, and me, you know, speaking just personally, you know, I'm not afraid of investing in something. I, I, mm-hmm. I've never shied away from that. But now I want there to be an experience to go along with it. I want to mm-hmm. have that that amazing service at a restaurant. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, go and, and, you know, whatever that may be, you know, and what you're describing when you're, you know, working with, closely with a family, you're designing the portrait, mm-hmm. you're designing the clothing, the location, all the things um, – that is part of your experience. Yeah. That's, you know? the, that's the handholding that's required to have a, a family portrait by Kira Derryberry. Right. Right. Because we've got to be in step because it's a collaboration with the client. You know, mm-hmm. when the client feels like that they are part of the process too, it makes them more engaged with the process. It, it, it helps them take ownership over the thing. You know, like I, uh, there's this client on the wall behind us here. Um, 
every year that I photograph her, we work closely together on choosing the outfits, but she, she's choosing the outfits, Mm -hmm. but she's constantly checking in with me to make sure it's okay to ask if she should change something else out. Is this the right shade that we were talking about? You know, she's constantly trusting me to be the expert that she, she's doing the legwork on on this thing, but it gives her ownership. So when that portrait is on their wall over their fireplace and it is, Mm -hmm. then when her friends come over and her family comes over to see it, you know, Brandy, you did such a good job with the outfits, you know, with the family, the, you know, your daughter looks so beautiful and, and she can take pride in ownership that she actually helped create it. Right. And that's the, that's that extra level of service that that's the experience that I provide for the, for the family session. It's not on-site hair and makeup. It's not, you know, champagne and at the, at the shoot, right. I've yeah. done that, you know what yeah. I mean? There's not, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's not this business model that I'm doing, but this is, I almost build like a, it's hard. It's, it's real hard for me not to make friends with everybody. So I almost build like friendships with a lot of my clients. It happens yeah. way too frequently, well, I think that's <laughs> but you great. get, a, you get close, yeah, you absolutely. know, um, you know, I've, I've had clients come in and we're, we're reviewing the images that we talked about and, you know, they open up to me that that was the most horrible day because my husband, you know, found out earlier that morning that, you know, his brother passed away or something. And, but we still came to the shoot. And, and, and so we, I can see it in his face and, but you really made it look like it didn't happen. And I, you know, I don't even know anything about that, but now right. we're, we're now we're having a two hour order session where we're just talking about her family and what they're going through. And, and so we, yeah. we do that, that is part of um, the job as a storyteller, I think to you kind of, it's hard not to get connected with the client in that way when you're telling their story. Right. And when you know? you're, when you're completely vested into their story, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. you can communicate and can understand and, and, you know, like you said, coming alongside and, you know, mm-hmm. working together on these collaborations. I, I guess I, in closing here, um, a couple of things that you said mm-hmm. that I am going to, I'm just going to pick up on two, two words out of something that you said about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> um, and you said that you do what brings you joy mm-hmm. and it's an authentic joy. It's because you truly enjoy doing it and it, and it, you don't have to pretend you don't have to play, you know, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure that that is reciprocated from your clients. So my two cents out of this conversation that's been awesome for those of you that are listening along, make sure and find your authentic joy. Yes. You know, um, because if you don't, your work most likely will suffer. Your home life will suffer. You know, your mental health will suffer financially. You'll probably suffer. You know, when, yeah. when you find that place where you can be happy and truly real, the weight just like sheds off. You know, yeah, it's, just it's like a light, it, falls it just off feels lighter because otherwise yeah. it's just a job and we've all yeah. worked just a jobs, yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? And they're, and they're fine. Mm-hmm. They have their ups and downs, you know, but when we put so much of ourselves that I, I can't imagine that there's another profession. I can't think of another one anyway, uh, outside of the art field where so much of yourself personally goes into the success of the business, yeah. right? The success of the product, the success of everything that you're doing. And, and so because that, it's very taxing on you emotionally and, and in yes. your mental health. We're, we're not here selling paper. Right. I mean, you are. Yeah. <laughs> but for A lot of it. But, we, <laughs> yeah. but it's not just that for us, yeah. you know, because, because it's just a job where your hands are in everything, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think that it's natural and it's normal to be so close to it that it almost suffocates you. Yeah. 
you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's incredibly important to, to, to be authentic to yourself and to what brings you joy. Because if you, if you don't, then it's going to take you under. It's just too, it's too immersive of a, of a job. Yeah. You know, absolutely. So for people that are listening along, um, where can they find you, Kira? I know that you have a podcast. I do have that a podcast. you do with um, your good friend, Mary Fist Taylor. I do. Um, tell us about that and like where you're online and where people can connect with you. Yeah. So uh, Mary and I have a podcast called Get Your Shoot Together and you can listen to it everywhere podcasts are played. We kind of focus on this this topic a lot of times, the work life balance of the business of photography. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys can also find me on Instagram at Shakira, and that's spelled S-H-E-K-I-R-A, because I'm an early adopter. So I have at, at Shakira at Twitter, at Shakira at Instagram. <laughs> um, and so you can follow me there and you can find me on Facebook at my Facebook group, which is Level Up with Kira Derryberry. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate the conversation. This has been great. Um, it's everything that I hoped that it would be. Good. So, well, we have to get you to your next speaking gig. That's right. You're going to use up all your words today. By the I, time I'll, I won't have any words <laughs> in a few hours. I'll just be, I'll just be done. Right. My word will be like, can I have a glass of wine? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then can I have another glass <laughs> of wine? And then one more. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Um, best of luck to you as um, incoming PPA president. Thank you so much. We know you'll do awesome. And uh, I'll try not to let you guys down. Oh, you'll do. <laughs> (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And for everybody listening along, thanks for joining us and we will talk to you soon.